What is community? It's a word that we hear all around us in every sphere of life, this word community. But what is it? What's a biblical definition of it? Well, first we'll look at Webster's Dictionary. Uh, if you didn't know the, the meaning of something, what did you always do as a kid? You looked it up in the dictionary. Community means a unified body of individuals, a unified body of individuals. And one of the places that we see unified, you know, unique relationships in community is through the TV shows we watch. Anybody used to watch Cheers back in the day where everybody knows your name? Okay. Maybe this will hit a dim different demographic. How about Friends? Anybody watch Friends? Yeah. It kind of goes with our Sit With Me uh, series art. Um, when we first moved to Indianapolis about six years ago, we had some friends of ours that lived in the same apartment complex. And it was like this running episode of friends where we'd text them and be like, what are you doing for dinner? And they're like, we'll be over in a minute. And they were over in one minute. It was great most of the time. Um, for those of you who watch a little bit more serious TV shows, anybody watch Parenthood? Or as I call Parenthood 2.0, This Is Us. Anybody, This Is Us, Yeah. Uh, me too. I love This Is Us. I love watching this. And then there's this character who's the father in the show. His name is Jack. And he is like a dude's dude. I mean, this guy can fix anything in like 30 seconds. Within three minutes on an episode, he'll have fixed the car. He'll have built a life-size, real life-size, fully functional log cabin out of toothpicks. He'll have all the kids, you know, make sure that their homework is done. And then he'll have like a candlelight dinner for his wife. And you're like, dude, you're setting the bar way too high for us husbands and dads out there. But so much of what these shows, whether it's Cheers or Friends or Parenthood or This Is Us, what they're selling to us is this this picture of unique community that almost seems impossible, like we could never have that kind of community in our lives, whether it was through friends or family or whatever it might look like. It's just so tight-knit. It's so unique. And we long for that. And there's a reason we long for that. Because God designed us to be in community with him and with other people. There's this Latin word, communitas, and it's defined this way, as a bond forming from an adventure a challenge or a mission that brings you together. A bond that forms through an adventure, challenge, or mission that brings you together. Oftentimes in our lives, when we go through a trial or something difficult, when, once we finally get through it and God helps us to get through it, on the other side of that challenge, we get really close with those people. Whether they're people in our neighborhood, people we grew up with, people in our family, people in our church family. You know, on a more lighthearted note, there's some ordeals and challenges that Colts fans are going through right now. I've seen some Colts blue, one in four, but there's hope. We play the Jets today, so hopefully there could be a victory there. But it's been disappointing, and when you see your friend in the Colts blue, even when you're kind of down in the dumps, you know, you say, hey, man, I'm still with you. We can get it. We can turn this thing around. There's some community that we experience, whether it's bantering back and forth between Notre Dame and Michigan, whatever it might be, through our sports teams. You know, three years ago, my wife and I and another couple, who are actually here visiting with us today, uh, went to a Taylor Swift concert. Yes, go ahead and judge me. I went to a Taylor Swift concert knowingly, willingly, and um, we were really looking forward to it until we found out that our wives actually won backstage passes and floor seats. Which meant, like, that's really exciting for them until you realize it's just you and one other guy sitting at a Taylor Swift concert together. And you're like, oh boy, I've never felt so vulnerable in my entire life. And then you see these awesome dads who brought, like, their preteen daughters to the concert, and they're feeling super awkward as well. 
And, you know, for the first hour of the concert, we kind of would, like, nod our heads a little bit and, like, try not to make eye contact and judge each other. But then by the end of the night, we were singing the song Shake It Off at the top of our lungs, and we kind of gave each other this look like, we will never speak of this again. But we got through it, you know, and there's this eternal bond that I have with all of those guys and my friend Alex as we went through that Taylor Swift concert. And then there's, you know, being a part of a, you know, we're in the parents of a toddler's club. We have a two-year-old. Anybody got toddlers right now? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The struggle is real. Whether you have a toddler or whether you're a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or an older sibling, toddler life can be tough, especially in the grocery store. Let's be honest. In the grocery store, something just happens to your kid where they start seeing Elmo and Minnie Mouse everywhere and you're like, no, abort the mission, abort the mission. You finally make it to checkout. Your kid's just screaming and screaming and you're like, I swear they're not like this all the time. But there's like that one, one or two people who've, who've been in your shoes and they kind of give you this head nod like, I feel your pain. They give you like the Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen, you know, salute like, we're in this together. We're in this together. Uh, we experience a form of community, even in those kind of lighthearted moments, but in the serious ones too, through a unified struggle. In this room, we're all a part of various communities, whether it's the city or the town that we're from or that we currently live in or a school or a school system we're a part of, whether it's our workplace, through a certain kind of loss that maybe we've experienced. Maybe we've experienced something in common with people because they're a part of a military family as well, or they, they have a cancer survivor in their family, and we can relate with that. Whether it's a sports team or that you're a marching band parent, whatever it might be. We all have these communities that we represent. And when we make Christ the center of each community we're a part of, we have an avenue to grow spiritually together, to serve each other, and to be generous with our time, talent, and treasure. You know, the last few weeks we've been in this sermon series called Sit With Me at the Feet of Jesus. And today we're going to focus on this picture of biblical community. And today's message is Sit With Me Together at the Feet of Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everybody in this room and everybody joining us online. I pray, Lord, that you would be magnified in a great way, that you'd be glorified as we look at your word, that my words would become few, and that you'd be glorified. Lord, I pray that your spirit would prompt us to take the next step that we need to take. Lord, we love you and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to power on your Bible app or feel free to grab a Bible in the book rack in front of you. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. For those of you who do not have a Bible, we'll have the verses up on the screen and you can also feel free to take notes in your program. There's a space for that as well. Uh, the very essence of our being as humans is created in the likeness of God. We are created in the image of God, and, and God exists in community, and he calls us to be a people who exist in community with him and with others. And it's no wonder that humankind is so desperate and hungry for unique expressions of community. Genesis 1.26 tells us this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Let's, like, let's make man like us. So male and female, he created them. We were created to know God from the onset, from creation. We were created to know God and to be known. We were created to know God and to be known. Acts chapter 2, where we're going to focus our time today, shows us a roadmap of what Christ-centered community can look like. But before we get into that passage, I want to set the, the, the frame of what was happening in history at this time. You know, Jesus had come down to earth 
lived a sinless life, died a, died a death on a cross that he didn't deserve, and rose again on the third day. After that, he walked on the earth for 40 days, still appearing to other people, and then he ascended back up into heaven. And then after that, all of his followers and disciples were like, what do, what do we do now? Our leader is gone. What do we do now? And so God flips the script and uses an unlikely hero, Peter, someone who had denied Jesus three times on the night that he was betrayed, to be the leader of the church. He said, Peter, I'm going to use you, even though you're broken, even though you're not the most qualified leader, I'm going to use you in a powerful way. And so Peter preaches the sermon. And the entire known world had like people represented there from different countries. And, and God used the Holy Spirit in such a great way that everyone could understand it in their language. It was amazing. And what we see after this very empowered sermon that was empowered by the Holy Spirit, that 3,000 people are now following after Jesus and his way. And we fast forward to the, that time, and we see this beautiful picture of Christian community in the early church. Acts 2, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this grouping of people, they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And what we see here is they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. These were the teachings of Christ that had been handed down, and they were passing those around to the rest of the people in these communities. You see, in relationship with Christ, and by sitting in his truth, by sitting in his word, whether it's alone on our own time or together with others, is where we get anchored into God's truth, anchored into his word. Then what we see in verse 43 is it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Then verse 44 goes on to say, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They had everything in common. They were devoted to each other. They were committed to each other. They gave themselves to Christ and one another. It says they sold their property and possessions in verse 45 to give to anyone who had need. Now, what's interesting about this is this was not just a one-time generosity gift. This was a recurring, the imperfect tense is used here, indicating that this was a recurring pattern of their generosity. This was not a one-time thing. Their practice of, of meeting each other's needs and loving each other, whether it was a physical need, whether it was just being a shoulder to cry on, they were there for each other. They were devoted to each other. They were committed to each other. Now, doesn't that sound like a community you want to be a part of? Doesn't that sound like something unique, something that even these shows like Friends and New Girl or whatever it might be can't offer? Is this kind of unique, generous, love-filled, Christ-centered community? And that's what we're invited into. What we see here is their generosity, it was contagious. Whether it was with their time, whether it was with their talents or with their treasure, their generosity was contagious. You know, have you ever had those moments where like someone pays it forward for you? Whether it's a large thing or a small thing? When you are the recipient of someone paying it forward, it's pretty cool. And you're like, wait, why did this happen? I was driving through a Starbucks a couple months ago ready to pay for my overpriced coffee. Uh, I drink an iced coffee, in case you wondered, but uh, it was like $3.70 or whatever for my drink. So I have my debit card out, I'm ready to pay, and then um, the cashier says, as I'm ready to pull through the drive-thru, she said, the person in front of you paid for your drink. And so I'm kind of like looking over, like, do I know this person, you know? And then I start thinking to myself, I know I'm supposed to be spiritual and a pastor, but I started thinking to myself, 
do I just kind of take the blessing and run here? Like, the only people who are going to know are the Lord and this cash, you know, this cashier. I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of nice to save that $3. And then I started feeling convicted. I was like, okay, you know what? I should just keep this going on. I kind of looked behind me. I'm like, it's just one guy. I mean, it's what? Like, he's probably just going to get a $1.50 coffee or whatever. So, uh, turns out I looked at the charge and it was $14. I'm like, what's this guy doing? You know, <laughs> did he get the Trenta or what, what's going on here? And, uh, you know, in those, in those moments, you just never know how passing that blessing on through something simple, like a cup of coffee could really make someone's day a little bit better. You never know what they're going through. Not to mention when, when we sacrifice and are generous with our time, talent, and treasure on the bigger things as well. What we see is generosity and love. It was the norm. It was the standard in the early church. And it's the same thing we're called to today. It goes on in verse 46, and it says this about the community. Every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts, so kind of like the larger gathering where they would worship together. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pull up to the church parking lot, I don't always have a glad and sincere heart. (laughs) Or when I'm trying to get ready to go to an out, you know, my outpost and we're preparing everything and we're stressed out. I don't always have a glad and sincere heart, but what's so unique about this community is they, were, they had so much joy that they just wanted that to spill over, whether it was in the larger gathering or in these smaller community gatherings as well. They met in larger and smaller communities regularly. They made these smaller communities kind of like their family, kind of like the hub, where they would come in together. They would break bread. They would share a meal. They knew each other's actual stories. They knew each other's kids' names. They knew the challenges and the struggles and the successes. They would pray for each other by name. They would use their gifts to live on mission together. You see, unity and love were the mark of the early church. And this is a critical reminder to us that church is not merely a location. Man, we are so blessed to have this facility, and so many of you put blood, sweat, and tears into this facility years ago. We're super excited about what God is doing through the Compassion Campaign and these new locations where we can reach more and more people for Christ. But the truth is, the church is always the people. And we're excited to see how God is going to continue to use us as a people, to reach people for Christ, to help them to grow spiritually, to provide another safe place in larger and smaller communities, for a place for this to be a hospital for sinners here and at Michigan Road and the other locations. Acts 2.47 goes on and reminds us. It says, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And get this, and the Lord added to their number daily. Think about that. Every single day, new people were experiencing life change through Jesus, those who were being saved. There was spiritual fruit. More people were coming to Christ through the larger and the smaller expressions of the church. Because of their Christ-centered love, it was such a unique community. The world had never seen anything quite like this, and we get to continue to be a part of that movement. You know, Jesus, when he was going to be betrayed, to be handed over to be killed, he shared a, a supper, a meal with his disciples, and he, and he gave them these instructions, and I think these ring true for us today. In John 13, 34, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. And then in 35, this one gets me every time, your love for one another will prove to the world 
that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. They will know that we love him by the way we take care of each other and love each other. You know, attending church, listening to sermons, it's great. It's a great way for us to celebrate God and his goodness, to rejoice in his truth every weekend. But I want to ask you to think about this. What next step is God calling me to? Maybe some of you have been attending here for six months or four years, or maybe this is your first weekend. But thinking through that question, what's my next step to lean in, to, to be able to sit together with others in Christ-centered community? Because something happens so uniquely there when someone knows your pain, your struggle, can be with you, can walk with you through the highs and lows of life. I realize that may intimidate some of you. Maybe you've been burnt by other Christians before. Maybe you've experienced a, a, a kind of a close relationship where trust was broken down. But I know this, in Christ-centered community, that healing can take place, where growth can take place. And I want to ask you, how can you move towards living on mission together with other people? You know, one step that you might want to take is to consider, and there's info on your program on this, one step to take if you're not sure what to do is to go to First Step with Josh. This is an hour class on a Wednesday evening. The next one is November 7th, where you can learn more about who we are as a church and how to get connected into various kinds of communities here. And I want you to know that regardless of how long you've been here, you are a unique ingredient to God's plan and God's kingdom. God, God is willing to use us despite our, our sin, despite our brokenness, despite our past, to do kingdom good, to help bring others into the family of God. And maybe taking that step, although it could be scary, it could be a barrier for you, it could make you feel kind of vulnerable, that might just be the thing that helps unlock what God is going to do in your life to impact the people in your life over the next couple of years by taking that step. So maybe first step is for you. Another step would be uh, starting or joining an outpost. Our outposts are, it's our microchurch network. It's our, our vision is to unleash all these smaller communities who are living on mission for God as they get into God's word together, pray for each other, and have a unique missional project. Outposts are, are smaller communities, kind of like we saw in Acts 2, like the family setting. Uh, and they're living on mission together. There's accountability in all of that. God might be asking you to take a step to sit together with the same community for a little while, to allow them to get to know you, to speak truth into your life, to study the Bible, but also to make an impact in our world that so desperately needs it. There's three different kind of categories for outposts. You know, there's ones that are called community as mission outposts. These are ones if you kind of maybe have been in a church environment that look like a life group or a small group of some sort. But what we ask is during that stage, you are praying and discerning and get coaching about what is our missional impact that we're going to leave, you know, leave in this community? What's a nonprofit or a cause that we'll wrap our arms around as we continue to grow together? The other is our ministry as mission outposts. These are ones that are kind of doing the ministries within the church that might be for our men's or women's or a recovery or a marriage ministry, whatever that might look like. And then we have outreach as mission outposts. These are ones that are growing spiritually together. They're studying the Bible, but they've got a clear uh, missional partner. They've got a nonprofit. We even have some people who have launched their own nonprofits in, in some sort of way to make a great impact for God's kingdom. So if God is stirring your heart to start or maybe to join an outpost, one of these communities, all of our outposts, I want to clarify, are open for you to check out and visit at any time. 
you know, and, and we would love to, to connect you in any way. So you can come see me in the lobby after the service, or you can actually mark on your Connect card in your program saying that you're interested in joining an outpost as well. We'd encourage you to prayerfully think about that step. But the truth is, is whatever form it's going to be, God designed us to sit together at the feet of Jesus with others. And as we look back at the early church, we see they had these glad and generous hearts. They couldn't help but give away what God had given to them. They wanted to share it with others. You know, these are the kind of people that, you know, there have been times, you know, even recently we're selling a house, which selling a house is crazy. Let me just tell you, it's kind of stressful. But uh, we've had people come over, uh, friends of ours in our outpost, and one of them's in here, helped me work on some windows and some things that there's, I me- mechanically declined, you know what I mean? Um, that was a joke, but... Uh, but he kind of helped me do something I could never do. And, and we've, you know, grown to know each other through our outpost, through our community, through studying scripture together. And then I learned, like, he has all these incredible mechanical gifts. And then all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I can do that, no problem. In like 30 seconds, I'm like, that would have taken me like three years to figure out. And I'm not underselling that at all. But the truth is, whether it's something that's going wrong in your house or in your marriage or a loss that you've experienced, We all need those people in our lives that we can call on or we can text and say, hey, man, I need some prayer. I need some encouragement. I need a reminder of God's goodness. And I want that for each and every one of us, to have those people, those Christ-centered people in our lives who are helping us to grow spiritually and to live on mission. And the next thing that we see is they were were unified. The early church was unified in Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, 5, and 6, we aren't going to go back there, but it, it talks about when Peter was preaching to this group, there were people from every nation under heaven with diverse, there was diverse cultures represented there. People from, you know, the time, the entire known world from Europe, Asia, and Africa were present. It was a foretaste of heaven of the diversity. And I'll tell you, we are a multi-generational, multicultural church, which I love. But I've got news for you. If you are uncomfortable with a certain age group of people, ethnicity, whether it's millennials, Gen Z, Gen X, boomers, labels that we've put on people, rich people, middle class, poor, athletic, unathletic, artists, educated, uneducated. If you've got a problem with one of those age groups, I've got news for you. You aren't going to like heaven very much because all of them are going to be there. If they have a relationship with Christ, those people that we put labels or categories on, they're going to be there in heaven with us. And and in heaven, there's going to be no division There will be no focus but Christ himself. And so I've got news for you. As Christians, sometimes we need to lower the barriers to take a step towards somebody and reconcile things. Sometimes we've put up barriers for communities based on things that we've done and said, and we need to remove those immediately. Those are not, I don't see those in the gospel. And so I've got news for you. Have a dialogue. Pray through those things. Work towards reconciliation. And in its work, And after that, I want you to take a line from one of my daughter's favorite movies. If you can't get over it then, you need to to tune in to the movie Frozen and you just need to let it go. And I know that's lighthearted, but man, when I look at the church in Acts 2 and I see how inclusive they were and how loving they were and how generous they were, there was no division. Let's work towards modeling unity. And I think as a church, we're doing a great job. Let's keep up the pace. Let's model unity this side of heaven. Because last time I checked, the ground was very, very level at the cross. 
where we in our sin and our brokenness are all at the same place before, our, before Jesus, the only perfect one. And here's the third thing we see, as they were devoted to prayer. They were so committed to prayer. When someone had a need, had an issue, when there was persecution, what did they do? They prayed. When they were scared or weren't sure what to do next, what did they do? They prayed. When they needed direction, what did they do? They prayed. When something awesome happened and God provided, they praised him and they prayed. We have a prayer team. We have a prayer room. You know, at the end of each service, during the next couple songs, if you would like someone to pray with you, they would love to. It's great to pray on our own, but it is powerful to pray in community. Whether that's here at the prayer room, whether that's with people in your outpost, it is very powerful to lay things at the feet of Jesus together. So here we see the early church was devoted to the apostles' teachings, to God's truth, to each other, and to prayer. But here's some things to think through as you step towards Christ-centered community, whether it's going to first step with Josh, or maybe it's getting back into an outpost or starting one, or maybe it's just in a one-on-one relationship where you're saying, hey, could, I really look up to you. Could we grab lunch or a coffee? There's some things going on in my life. The question I have is during those times and you get yourself in community, will you let those conversations go below the surface? Oftentimes when conversations move towards something below the surface, something serious, especially us as men, what do we do? We put up a wall, right? There are three responses that happen when things get real. One is people move away. We make a joke when things get real, when a conversation gets real. We change the subject. Maybe we even physically leave the room. And the second is this, when community, we're in a community setting and we have the opportunity to be vulnerable, the second thing we do is we move against. We move against. You just make everybody out to be your enemy. You keep everybody way at arm's distance. You put up the wall. I can't let anybody in. If people actually knew what was going inside of me, they would judge me. They wouldn't want me to be a part of this community. But there's a third option that we have when there's genuine community in our lives, and that's to move towards. And that's what I would encourage us to do. By the grace of God, we can move toward. This can be scary. It can be discombobulating. It, can, it goes against you know, self-preservation of protecting our reputation, our image. It's countercultural. And moving towards genuine community doesn't mean that you have to tell everybody all of your dirty laundry of all of your past, but it may mean that you are positioned to tell somebody something that's gone in your life, something challenging you're currently going through or have been through. So I'm going to encourage us to move towards, move towards genuine community like we saw in Acts chapter 2. This means taking a risk to put yourself in a community environment like an outpost or maybe even just serving on a volunteer weekend team, getting to know some of the people that way. Or or in the the spring when we have our next round of Rooted, which is a 10-week discipleship program, maybe it means getting involved and invested in that. I know that can be a scary step, and I know some of you have been hurt by others in those environments. And so my, my prayer is that you would see what God might do as you take a step towards that. Move towards. We've all been given a unique circle of influence, an oikos, people in our, in our lives that God has positioned us to, to reach, to impact. And God's plan to seek and save the lost is you, his church, your plan A whether it's in Hamilton County, Marion County, Boone County, or wherever you're from, to live on mission, to carry the message of reconciliation and hope to a broken world. Your job, maybe even a job you don't care for too much, 
your neighborhood, the school that you're in, your friendships, all of that is on purpose and for a purpose. How can you live on mission for Christ in the places where you live, work, and play? What opportunity is waiting for you to take your passions or a common struggle you've had with others and to help people move towards Christ in community? I want to close with this illustration and go ahead and put that picture up. It's a picture of uh, aspen trees. Now, this isn't just up because it's fall and, you know, the leaves are turning. Um, this, these aspen trees are, are not, the, the trees themselves are not a singular organism. They actually operate and function in a grove or in a cluster. They actually share a deeply embedded root system with one another, where they bring the nutrients all the way up to the tallest of the trees, and the tall trees soak in the sunshine and bring it down to the rest that are covered in the shade. This, that, that picture right there is from Utah, and it's the largest living organism in the world. It's a calculated 47,000 different tree trunks. It's weighed at 13 million pounds, and it covers 106 acres, and it is one entity. You see, aspens grow and feed each other as a community. They have something in common, the same root system, and it's very similar to the root system that we have, that we are anchored in Christ, that we're rooted in Christ, and have the opportunity to share nutrients and support one another. It reminds me of this verse about community in Romans 12, 5. It says, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You see, one of the more beautiful trees on earth, the aspen, is actually a grove. A singular organism with a strong root system that shares nutrients. And that's what I'm praying for us as a church. That as we are rooted in Christ, as we look back at Acts chapter 2, what we see that we have in common is the same roots in Jesus, and that we have as the same Savior that they had back then, we have the same mission, and we've got each other. Oh, what we're missing out on when we loosely connect or affiliate, then sit together at the feet of Christ and grow by living on mission together. So here's the invitation. For those of you who are considering a relationship with Christ, where you're not sure exactly where you're at spiritually, or it's the first time you've been in church in years, or your first time ever, know that Christ, he moved towards you. He existed in heaven forever and then came down as a baby, humbled himself to a human body, lived a sinless life, died a terrible death on the cross, and rose again victorious on the third day so that you and that I could be made right with God if we put our faith in him, if we acknowledge our sin before him, and that he is the only one that can take that away. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so for some of you, it's acknowledging that Christ moved towards you and embracing him in this very moment. To saying, God, I can't do it on my own. Life has been lonely. Life has been hard. But I need you and your grace, Jesus. And for others of you in this room who have a relationship with Jesus, the question I have for you is, who is someone that you need to move towards? Like the Aspens, how can you pass on the nutrients that you've received from God's word and from the community that has helped you to grow spiritually? How can you pass that on to somebody else? Who will you help move towards so they can belong in Christ-centered community? Maybe it's time for you to start exploring starting an outpost or inviting others to join yours. 
Maybe it's time for you to take that leap of faith and join an outpost. To give what you have, what God has given you, your experiences and your gifts and your passions to impact others to live on mission for God as well. Lord, who do you want me to move towards? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for this moment. And I pray, Lord, for those who for the very first time may realize that, Jesus, you moved towards them, that you made a way, that you paved a way for for us to know you. I pray for anyone who is hurting, who is doubting, in this very moment that they would know that, Jesus, you love them so much that you moved towards, that you, you took on the cross for our sin and our shame, for our wrongdoing, and that if we simply confess that you are Lord, the way, the truth, and the life, and ask for your forgiveness of sins that we can be forgiven and experience new life and new victory in you today. And Lord, if that is anybody in this room, I pray that they would just silently repeat this prayer. Lord, I confess that I need you. Jesus, you died for me. You rose again. Forgive me of my sins and my wrongdoings. Make me new today. Lord, and for those in this room who've been following you, who are Christians, Lord, I pray that you would make it so clear who we need to move towards. Lord, that you would make it so clear what our next step is as as we make an impact in our oikos and our circle of influence where we live, work, and play. Show us so clearly who it is and what we are to do with that, Lord, to bring honor and glory to you, to sit together at the feet of Jesus in community. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.